All right. Welcome, everyone. Good afternoon or good morning, I guess, depending on where in the world you are. My name is Hannah Shane, and I'm the Director of Marketing here at Cloud Elements. It's my privilege to be your host in today's talk show. First of all, thank you for joining us. I know that we all have busy schedules, and we appreciate you taking some time uh, out of your day to spend with us today. The intent of today's talk show is to introduce you to two of the API integration leaders in marketing automation. One from Elqua, which is an Oracle company, and then also in Fluidive. So regardless of whether or not you're familiar with Cloud Elements, and we do API integrations, by the way, we hope that to provide you with some valuable tips and tricks from two of my friends in the marketing automation realm. Before we jump in, the theme of the talk show today is AMA, which means Ask Me Anything. So feel free to submit your questions in the GoToWebinar console, which is the questions box on the right side. We'll do our best to answer any and all questions throughout the event, but if we're not able to, we'll certainly email any answers to the questions we received. So with that, I'd like to introduce today's speakers. First, we have Chris Campbell, who is from um, Eloqua Oracle, and Chris currently leads a team of product managers focused on integrations and APIs at Oracle Eloqua. He originally joined Eloqua in 2010 as part of the services organization, becoming the product manager for Eloqua's bulk API and CRM integrations in 2013. Chris is also joined by Steve, Oregon Senior Product Manager at Influtive. As a founding employee at Influtive, Steve helped bring the Advocate Hub product to market, from inception to its position as a recognized platform in advocate marketing. He's currently focusing on APIs and integrations at Influtive to integrate advocacy with marketing automation systems, CRM systems, and many other external apps. So with that, um, Chris, why don't we get started with you? If you can just let us know um, in your own words, how did you get to where you're at today? Um, you know, ever since I was uh, really young, I had a, a really strong interest in understanding how things work and, uh, and, and getting to know into the details quite a bit. Um, that led me to uh, get a couple degrees in mechanical engineering out of university um, and obviously a, a real heavy interest in computers all along the way. Um, I was kind of the, uh, my first computer, I think it was a Timex Sinclair, if anybody can remember those, they're really old days. And um, um, I had an opportunity along the way uh, once I got out of college and, uh, and started my career to uh, get involved with software uh, from a user's point of view. Uh, being technically oriented, I, I really kind of uh, gravitated towards the problem solving aspect and the complex things that um, that other people didn't really want to take on so much. Um, and that has led me to where I'm at today as far as getting into a lot of the database items, uh, development, uh, working on personal projects has led me into the product management world as well, um, all very interesting. And the one common thread is that I've always been uh, very interested in this aspect of work uh, and product development and product management in general, um, even before I got into product management without knowing that that's what I was interested in. Right? It's, uh, it's just been a pain. Steve, uh, how did you get to where you're at today? Uh, yeah, I see a lot of commonality, a lot of common elements uh, with my history. Uh, you know, just very early on, you know, having to deal with all the entertainment centers. Uh, you know, I was the only one at a very young age, uh, being able to hook up all the internal systems within my household, uh, and it was just one of those things where you know, I, I developed a knack, uh, or just uh, you know, had a lot of fun uh, just integrating systems together and seeing how happy. You know the result was, um, you know, in terms of entertainment value. Uh, so that's always been uh, just an area of interest. 
uh, you know, when I my first uh, when I came out of university, I was actually very interested in psychology. Um, you know, very much not not so much of a of a tech background, uh, but I joined Eloqua right after I graduated, and was a very early startup at that time. Had the chance at really pioneering some early integrations uh, with CRM and uh, you know external applications. So at the time, it was like 1999. Uh, Salesforce.com didn't really have any external uh, integrations to date, and uh, so just really pioneering some innovative integrations uh, for marketing departments for many different companies uh, and you know later evolved into a product role um, similar to Chris uh, you know just having a lot of that technical understanding uh, being able to interpret what customers are asking for what business goals that they're trying to achieve um, having the tactical tools in order to get there uh, it's been a very natural fit uh, just working with integrations uh, for you know uh, various companies and I've been very focused on on marketing departments uh, so I've been very familiar there Um, and Steve, can you explain a little bit about what Influitive is and how you guys support the marketing organization? Um, I know we're big fans of Influitive here, but I'd like to hear how you explain to your friends and family what Influitive does. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, so essentially, uh, Influitive is a portal uh, that is geared to your loyal, happy customers and fans. And what uh, what we are primary what our primary goal is uh, is to motivate them to uh, perform advocacy on behalf of your company. Uh, so uh, there are various needs uh, for having social proof for your company and your brand. You know, more and more people, um, you know, and, and as opposed to you know going directly to a salesperson, you know, they would likely do research on their own. Uh, so they read marketing assets and testimonials, and uh, they may have participated in a reference call. You know, perhaps there was a friend that actually referred them to that organization. Uh, so we are there uh, to help motivate uh, those types of advocacy, and we also facilitate all that information over to you know CRM and marketing automation systems for for better support and ROI as well. And Chris, back over at Eloqua, um, how have you guys been, you know, designing your strategy for a your APIs and? Really, I'd be curious about, like, you know, why why is the Eloqua API so valuable to your business? Yeah, so, um, you know, the original strategy behind us developing APIs has to do with, in essence, building an open platform, right? That's, uh, the, our APIs were introduced about 10 years ago. Um, and, it, you know, original drive, of course, is, is uh, business value um, for customers, but also for ourselves and having that open platform um, that everybody wants to have and use. And um, in essence, what that does, uh, to, to kind of put it bluntly, is it creates stickiness, right? Um, when um, any, any task can be automated, um, there's incredible efficiencies that can be gained from that. Right? You can potentially go from an error-prone manual process that takes uh, minutes or hours to complete uh, to um, an automated process that might take seconds to complete and in essence, if the data is being received from an external system correctly, um, it, it will be executed correctly as well. Uh, so, so there's a, a lot of great efficiencies that can be achieved um, via automation, and that's where the APIs come in, uh, is it allows you to create that automation. Um, you know, when marketing automation was relatively young, um, there, the analogy here is that the, you know, the door was open for businesses to operate in a new way and market in a new way. You could understand what people... Uh, and their prospects and clients were doing on their websites, 
they could launch email campaigns and understand what was actually happening and how those campaigns were received. Uh, and then when APIs were introduced on top of that marketing automation system, you could then automate a lot of those tasks, those, those manual marketing tasks that were being performed. Um, you could connect to external systems as well. Uh, and so that opened the door for uh, a vast amount of efficiency that, we're, that we are, we've been realizing, I think, for a couple of years now. Clients have been realizing for a couple of years. Um, and it's only getting better and better um, as the years progress now. And so, you know, the strategy really has to do with um, creating that, that valuable, that value for the clients that, create, that makes them sticky, that's good for our business, but also good for their business, right? Well, um, mutual value. Okay. And Steve, uh, you know, why is the API valuable to um, Influitive? Uh, sorry, can you repeat the question? Why, why is your API strategy or why are your APIs at Influitive um, valuable to your business? Yeah, uh, so very much, uh, you know, similar to Chris uh, in that uh, it does provide a framework uh, for, you know, getting a lot more customers and partners and driving uh, that value uh, very quickly. Uh, so, you know, as soon as we have those APIs for some of those core areas of our platform, it gets very easy to iterate and add new business uh, because we already have that framework for automation. Uh, so, you know, definitely similar to Chris in terms of being able to, you know, drive a lot of the adoption externally and also drive, uh, add new avenues for new business because you, you have those automation in place and, uh, it, uh, uh, but I would also uh, like to stress that it's also the internal value that actually comes from API uh, or like having a good free open API as well. Uh, so just having that efficiently also drives a lot of the adoption of technology internally. Um, so if we have, let's say, developers that actually turn over, um, you know, sometimes when we work on some legacy code that doesn't necessarily have an API, you know, it, it requires a lot of uh, a lot of effort to kind of release that technical debt, and so if those have you know very free open APIs, and we are actually leveraging that internally. Uh, then the efficiencies that we gain internally as well as, well as externally is uh, definitely profound. Okay, and before I jump into our next question, I'd like to remind our audience that um, you're more than welcome to submit any questions um, throughout the webinar, and we'll we'll be sure to answer them um, as we can. So the next question that I got was um, in reference to the field of dreams where, you know, if you build it, they will come. That might not be the same mantra that we have when it comes to building and designing APIs. Um, and Chris, what, what ideas do you have around how to drive adoption of your API? Um, yeah, so, yeah, pretty good question. They, the, um, you know, what we've done to, to help with this and kind of help foster the community is to give a place where uh, online where the community can come, right, to share ideas, um, um, share requests, share use cases, um, share solutions as well, right? So somebody may have um, had a had a realized that they had a, a need to automate something, use the API, build an application, um, and they may want to they may want to share what they've done with other people as well once they've got something up and running. Uh, we've done that in the form of um, a community site. Um, for Eloqua, so, so a lot of people are familiar with Topliners at this point, uh, where you can chat and share these ideas. Uh, we've also done it in the form of um, hosting our own marketplace. So uh, we have a, a network of partners. Uh, we have a partner enablement team as well that helps those partners understand the technical aspects of integrating to Eloqua and using our APIs and our, our App Cloud framework and building against that. 
Um, and then we went, we went that one step further to also provide a marketplace where partners can list their own apps. Um, so we have uh, the partner enablement team um, gets an idea and reviews the apps uh, with the partner as they're building them um, and when they're ready, and then they get those pushed out, um, uh, approved and pushed out, and, ho and I would say hosted, but they get them in essence listed uh, on, our, um, on our app cloud marketplace where any, but any client can go and search, find the apps, uh, maybe install a trial, for instance, uh, if it's a partner app, um, and those, those apps are listed right alongside the apps that Eloqua offers um, and offers up for clients to use for free as well. Um, and obviously, uh, documentation is key. Uh, having uh, subject matter experts and support is key as well. So if there are issues that are coming along, uh, you make it as, as many roadblocks as possible uh, to get people up and running and get value out of this and have success you know, as quick as possible. Great. Thanks. I think that was pretty thorough around um, you know, ideas for driving adoption. So one other um, question that I'd like to direct towards you, Steve. Um, what are your customers asking for you or for Influtive to integrate to, and what do some of those integration use cases look like? Uh, yeah, uh, and they can span all over the map um, because it's just various tools that you know are spread across different organizations. Uh, so you know, we formally, uh, you know, our formal integrations include like marketing automation and, and CRM systems. You know, pretty much 90% of our customers employ one of those tools, and those are areas that we actually want to specialize. Uh, you know, with you know highly you know defined use cases. Uh, but, you know, probably the most often I hear about is uh, probably chat applications, so like Slack or uh, like Flowdoc and, you know, Yammer, uh, because it's becoming more and more uh, an area where those are, like those are where employees are actually collaborating and communicating with internally. Uh, so uh, as opposed to having you know, uh, having to log into a system and actually view, you know, specific reports or do specific actions within software, uh, you know, being able to uh, highlight those areas within the tools that they are already participating in. Uh, so, an example of a community, being able to respond directly within your chat bot as opposed to, uh, you know, going in and logging in. Uh, that's probably the most predominant one that I hear most often, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it ranges from, uh, uh, learning management systems uh, quite often. Uh, uh, we also integrate with a lot of reward fulfillment as well. Uh, so people that deliver gift cards and swag uh, 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 because you know we, we want to be able to recognize and reward advocacy uh, and you know having the ability to you know give that recognition with a reward that they would like uh, you know that, that adds to the engagement of our platform. Okay, and so kind of to carry on with that same theme, Steve, how did you go about selecting the apps that you guys would offer as pre-built integrations versus letting uh, other developers maybe write to the Influtive API or using externalized integration services? Uh, yeah, so often, more often than not, it, it comes from the customers themselves. Uh, so, you know, we always have our ears to the ground in terms of what tools that our customers use. Uh, and more often than not, we just be, took a litmus test in terms of which ones are actually going to drive the most value and has penetration across, you know, many different customers. And, and we will try hard not to to formalize one-off integrations that are useful for one customer. Uh, we do have an integration strategy that is more general to really 
have a means to integrate with you know thousands of applications, but you know it's just not formally out of the box. Uh, so typically, it just uh, it, it comes from you know. Uh, Customers that in need, um, uh, there's always particular themes that we want to be able to address. Uh, so, for example, with like reward management systems as, as in general, you know, the, the the theme that that aligns with is really trying to address you know the administrator burden within the application. Uh, so we, we we would say that we would like them to spend more time you know coming up with more creative content than having to ship out a particular reward for someone that you know have won something. Uh, so having that automation in place really addresses a lot of our core objectives internally, uh, but it also drives a lot of value for the customer and many customers. Uh, so you know that's probably the lens that uh, uh, that, that I would look at. Okay. So Chris, over at Eloqua, what's your guys' integration strategy for pre-built versus writing to your API versus using externalized integration services? Yeah, I, I think it's it's real similar to what Steve mentioned. Actually, um, we, um, you know, what, we, you know, falling back to the adoption question previously as well. These two kind of relate. Um, we have Eloqua has, has an open form, of course, uh, and we also have this framework that allows apps to be built um, and integrate directly to Eloqua for very specific purposes, uh, and that's kind of in its second iteration. One thing that we did to drive adoption of that framework and to show what was possible. Um, because it was, a, it was a relatively new concept at the time for marketing automation, was to uh, identify some primary integration points uh, that, could be, that could utilize the AppCloud framework, which obviously is, is an API in, in and of itself, along with the other APIs that we offer. Uh, and we built those out. We decided that we were going to build those and own them, and we were going to give them to clients for free. Uh, and, and that gives us feedback on how things are working. It also gives the clients feedback. Um, so one of the so some of those things are what is it you know we looked at the business and what does a, a typical marketer want to do right and it's things like webinars we want to we have integration points uh, and apps to integrate to webinars um, where we can take a list and see how many people actually attended a webinar how long um, did they attend for did they get value out of that based on the time there's some inferences that can be made there um, and uh, that has expanded. Um, you know, obviously the use that gives us more feedback uh, and clients asking for more. And we use that feedback, we use these customer use cases. Uh, we might get you know, one request for one very specific piece of functionality from one client. Um, and on the other hand, we might get 100 requests for the same piece of functionality and you can tell pretty quickly uh, what becomes important and kind of what floats to the top as far as priorities. Um, in a bigger scheme of things, there are integration points um, such as with CRM systems that pretty much if you don't have as a marketing automation platform today, you, you're not in business, right? It's, it's something that's become a requirement over the last 10 years or so that if, if you have a marketing automation platform, you pretty much have to have um, a CRM integration um, that works well. Uh, and so we've, I, you know, th those obviously become very apparent very quickly um, as the years go on. Uh, and so we, we really use a lot of customer feedback and looking at the market, looking at what others are doing as well to help prioritize and, uh, and get an idea of what we should own, what we need to own, and what we can have partners build. In some cases, those two things overlap, right? Sometimes partners build the same types of integrations that we've built. Um, and, and, and that's okay, right? That it gives customers uh, more options in that regard. Yeah, I think that's really good insight. Um, and so, you know, Chris, one more question to kind of follow up on that. How is your guys' integration strategy um, 
really helping you differentiate your product from other major players in the marketing automation space? Um, you know, we're, I guess the easiest way to sum it up, I think, is, is a couple of different ways. We have, um, um, I think, ease of integration. We have established patterns and documentation. Um, and, and so we do have a, a push as part of the strategy to get things documented and, um, and as well explained as possible um, in, in that enablement area. Um, and that definitely, um, definitely plays, a, plays a role. Um, and we also have, um, you know, these, obviously these, these key integration areas um, that we're working with. So um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if there's any follow-up to that or not, but I'll stop there. Yeah, um, and so Steve, is there anything that you'd like to offer in terms of, you know, just insights on how the Influitive API strategy is helping you guys differentiate from other competitors? Uh, yeah, just from, uh, you know, I can probably speak specifically for, like, referrals, uh, use case as an example, uh, where, like, where we differentiate between our competitors is just really focusing on a B2B, um, you know, referral flow, uh, which is very different from consumer different type of, you know, cycles that may last very, you know, like, the consumer sales cycle is very short compared to um, a B2B cycle that may be, you know, three to six months. Uh, so being able to kind of track, you know, how, all, all of those referrals progress. Uh, it's, it's been pretty integral, like having a very tight integration. But it also doesn't involve a lot of that configuration. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say like the, one of the things to differentiate is just and taking out a lot of that choice and just and really focusing on you know very specific use cases. Um, so, referrals as an example. What does that flow look like? Um, and just really enabling very simple configuration uh, for our end users to really el eliminate that cognitive burden to uh, get that time to value. Great. And so, Steve, do you have any insights on how uh, maybe your guys' API or your integrations have impacted your bottom line, um, maybe by winning some new business I, that you might have lost yeah. before? Uh, so just back in when we talked about in the beginning of this call, uh, just in terms of sticky integration actually is, and just proving that out, uh, you know, we are able to, uh, uh, well, one, being, being able to attribute new revenue based on integrations, and those happen all the time, because, you know, in the sales process, there's particular business requirements that are requirement to get new logos. Uh, but more importantly, it also, from minimizing churn, uh, we've seen that at least two to three times, depending on a particular segment, a customer is less likely to churn if they have an integration in place. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and it's pretty obvious why, like being able to, you know, uh, penetrate into their business processes um, and deliver value there, it becomes very hard to actually take that out. And Chris, have you seen kind of the same patterns at Eloqua that it's, you know, helping impact customer stickiness or reducing churn by having a, a deeper integration strategy with their customers? That's correct. Yeah, ab absolutely. Yeah, there, there's no question about it. Um, the, uh, the more integration points that you've got, um, you know, obviously provided they're, 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 uh, they're giving value and, and typically you don't build it if they're not. Uh, the customer wouldn't go to that length to, to invest in it um, if it's not. Um, definitely increases that stickiness, uh, which obviously results from, from more value coming from the tool um, in general. Okay. All right, so kind of transitioning a little bit. Um, Steve, as you've scaled your, your strategy around your APIs, what have been some of the surprising lessons you've learned? 
Uh, yeah, just a, some, probably the biggest one is just, you know, it's very hard to put your best foot forward as much as you, hard you try, um, because you always want to have that free open API uh, to start off with. Um, but when you are, you know, in, in product management mode, uh, you know, oftentimes there's lots of iterations, and in some cases, you know, you're not putting the, your best foot forward or you're leaving something for a later iteration. And so probably the biggest lesson I learned is, you know, being able to invest into the architecture in the beginning as much as you can, uh, because those are things that are very hard to alleviate later. Um, so you're starting off with open APIs, and you're thinking about it from the platform perspective from day one. Uh, when, when those cases aren't that way, um, when we haven't, uh, you know, just, it's just a lot more painful down the road. Okay. Um, and then, you know, another question that's been popular over at least at our company is um, in theme with the API economy, Chris, I'm curious, what are some of your opinions around API monetization? Yeah, so um, our APIs are actually free. They're included as part of the base platform. Um, so if you are an Eloqua client, you have access to the APIs for free. Uh, there's, there's things we've needed to do to, um, in essence, put what we call soft limits in place to, to regulate some of the use of the APIs because it, it can't get out of control. One of the ideas we had was to actually instead of having these soft limits that we typically refer to is to uh, put hard limits in place. Uh, so instead of doing, for instance, you know, 100,000 calls a day, uh, and if you go over that, that's okay as long as you don't, you know, you don't get abusive um, in that regard, um, is to actually make that a hard limit. And, and the 100,000 is just a is just a number I'm throwing out. It's not an actual limit in Eloqua by any means. But it's, uh, one of the ideas is to make that a hard limit. So when you get to that, that, that 100,000 call, um, that you cannot make any more until a certain amount of time has passed. Uh, you know, like typically this is within a 24-hour period, and um, we have we actually haven't gone that far yet. But the idea is that you could say if, if the client needed to do 200,000 calls within a 24-hour period or period, that they could simply uh, pay for licensing to increase their API usage. Uh, and that's one that's one very common tack that's been taken, uh, I think, across many applications on the web, is to is to put these limits in place. Um, if you want more, you just pay a little bit more, right? Because it's more it's more resource intensive on the server side to actually handle the number of calls. Uh, one other one other way that we've thought about doing this um, is to uh, put a limit on data usage as well and monetize that. So if you have you know, 10 gigabytes of data in your database and you want to download all of that data, say, every weekend to refresh an external data warehouse for analytics purposes, uh, that's a lot of load on the network. It's a lot of load on the database. It's a lot of load on our servers, right? We have to have storage space to, for staging and so forth. And so uh, one idea is to monetize the, the amount of staging space, right? So if, you're a, if you have 10 gigabytes, maybe you have one gigabyte of staging space that you can use at any given time. Uh, and you would, if you wanted to get a full 10 gigabytes to replicate all of that data, you would just pay a little bit more to increase your, your staging area, right, where you can get this data in and out easily. Yeah, and I, I anticipate that, um, you know, there's a, that's a really great option for a lot of your customers, especially when bulk actions and, you know, dealing with, you know, lots and lots of customer data in and out of Eloqua uh, can cause, yep. you know, people hitting those limits pretty quickly. Um, exactly. Steve, what's your opinion around API monetization? 
yeah, and I think it could always be a case-by-case basis depending on your organization. Um, you know, my opinion, at least for Influida, from where we are today, um, you know, very free, open API. Um, we originally had API integrations tied to a particular tier, uh, but you know, as we kind of talk about in terms of API and stickiness, um, you know, I, I I would like that to be open and free so we can get that initial adoption um, and you know land and expand uh, those use cases as that uh, customer evolves. Um, so we're probably not at the stage where uh, you know we we we're at, where we could monetize that API. You know, we want to be able to increase that adoption and increase those use cases as much as we can. Uh, that's certainly an option that we would want to take a look at in the future. Like once we have the data, um, and you know, I, I think as Chris mentioned, like probably the things that make sense. So we we still definitely want to make sure that we have a platform and an open API to actually work within. Uh, but you know, there, I think there's areas to monetize with respect to you know the different tiers of of, of use cases and, and customers that are leveraging the API. Um, so it could be based on API limits. Uh, it, it also can be you know very specific use cases, let's say to enterprise, uh, that may involve different API you know, monetizations than than uh, in a regular customer base. Uh, but I would say at this point, from where we are at today. Um, you know, uh, I, I, at least I don't approach it uh, from a monetization strategy uh, because it just has uh, so much implications to you know customer satisfaction, um, retention, you know, minimizing churn, uh, which are you know key drivers at this time. Awesome. Okay, so let's go ahead and take some questions um, that have come in live. Um, and Chris, I'll, I'll have you answer this first one. So from Alan, I'd like to hear more about solution stories relating to integrating with complex enterprise environments involving multiple parallel data sources or in-house data hubs and warehouses or even multiple CRMs. Yeah, we have, we actually have um, over the last couple of years with uh, with several larger Eloqua clients. Um, they have Eloqua, but they, they might also have another market automation platform uh, that they use for distant business units. Um, they've got CRM, obviously. They've got uh, all the things that you're mentioning in the question, right? Um, homegrown systems as well. And um, what we're finding is that those clients are building a common data warehouse that they can extract data from um, all these different systems and, and push it in to this data warehouse uh, and, then, and then run their analytics there. Um, so they're pulling things like activities from Eloqua. They're pulling um, um, email assets, campaign assets, uh, landing pages, um, contact information, you name it. Basically everything, just about everything you can get that's meaningful from Eloqua, they're pulling out. Um, they're doing the same thing from CRM systems, from homegrown systems as well. Um, there's, I think one of the bigger challenges around this has been focused on um, how do you marry the data right, from Eloqua, right? Contacts, for instance, have a unique identifier as email address, uh, but in CRM you might not have that same constraint. Uh, so they, you know, the clients are needing to build tools uh, and a data structure that will allow these records to be reconciled. Right? Say, a contact in Eloqua with an email of Chris at Oracle.com matches up to a contact in lead records, plural, uh, from CRM. Right? But we have, maybe have to match on a, uh, as opposed to a CRM ID, maybe a, an email address. Right? Um, and from there, we can you know, use the, the tools and understanding of the, of the various um, systems data models to tie all the data together 
and run their own custom analytics. Uh, we've heard reports of um, some clients doing this and realizing that there's potentially a lot of interest uh, for a particular product based on a combination of the, of the data from different systems. Um, nobody was assigned, right, from a sales perspective. Um, and the client was able to get, get someone, identify this, get someone assigned from a sales perspective to work the account um, and actually close a deal in a relatively short period of time. So there's, uh, the reports that we're getting is this is something that's very valuable for some of these larger organizations to invest in. Um, but it, it does take a little bit of time to spin up, obviously, because you've got a lot of different uh, various systems involved. Ho hopefully I'm answering that question uh, appropriately uh, based on the way it's asked. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Steve, I... I'm curious if you have any insights around um, integrating with multiple sources or you know multiple CRMs and how you guys approach that. Uh, well, I don't. We are not in a situation where we integrate with multiple CRMs. Uh, well, we do integrate with multiple different tools that actually interact together. Uh, so uh, perhaps I can answer it uh, in in that way. Sure. Um, yeah. So. I, uh, I guess probably the biggest thing to actually concern is, uh, you know, just in terms of timing, uh, when uh, being able to understand what are the different triggers and actions and when uh, particular data is going to be passing in between systems, uh, because you know, it's very more, it's, those are things that are very easy to get off track. Um, and uh, once you get into troubleshooting mode, when there's something going wrong, um, when you have a simplified structure in place, uh, it just makes it a lot easier to troubleshoot and support. Uh, um. Okay. All right, let's move on to the next question. Um, in regards to handling data and transformations, what tools or techniques do you use most? And that, that question came from Rick. Chris, would you like to take a stab at that first? Um, yeah, the, so uh, transformations are, I assume that this is, is more focused on uh, the back end, right? So um, in essence, the, the stack on the back end of the API. And um, we, I won't mention the, the, the tool names, but there's a couple different, um, based on the API that's being used with Eloqua, um, and there's a couple different um, stacks that are used, um, one for the bulk API, there's a different one for our, our RESTful or application API. Uh, and we rely on that to do to handle the request, to handle the uh, you know in essence the framework of the API, uh, making the calls get it, obviously get it connected directly to the Eloqua database. Um, and so we don't we haven't authored that. We've we've chosen an out of the box solution that's dedicated for this and proven and supported um, its versions, just like an API or an application would be as well. Um, and that way, we're not building something that we have to, in essence, um, you know, maintain, uh, you know, fix bugs in, and so forth. We can rely on a third party and their testing and um, and maturity as well. Um, as far as tr as far as transformations, just a little bit more around bulk API. Um, we've got um, a situation where we extract data directly from our database, from the Eloqua database, and we put it into a staging area. Uh, and so we do have uh, we're using a, um, an out-of-the-box solution actually to transform that data into a uh, into the staging area where it can be then retrieved at a later time uh, without directly accessing the Eloqua database. This has helped increase efficiency of the entire platform. Um, one of the things we found is that that actually that solution was actually causing some lag and some performance issues. Um, so we recently got rid of that. Um, so there's, I guess it kind of goes hand in hand that sometimes um, these tools can uh, can cause issues of their own and, and obviously we've needed to pay 
pretty close attention to that and analyze things quite a bit. And there's efficiencies to be gained right, in both approaches. And Steve, how does Inflorative handle transformations from, um, you know, like we've got leads and contacts in a CRM and then transforming those objects and all the other fields that are related to those objects into advocates in Inflorative? Uh, yeah, uh, so, you know, we are uh, using that uh, today uh, that handle a lot of our transformations between marketing automation and uh, and CRM, and particularly with Salesforce today. Um, so uh, just that enables us uh, to really expand through the number of integration providers. Um, so once, let's say, we add uh, Salesforce into uh, that transformation or that template, uh, it gets very easy to add all the additional CRMs that our customers ask for. Um, and so we are able to um, add, you know, a new integration. So after we added Eloqua, um, you know, other marketing automation systems would, was about two to three days of worth of development effort. Where without those transformational tools, it would probably be, you know, probably about a month or even longer. Um, just dealing with all those external libraries and just dealing with all those transformations in house. Um, uh, so, so that, that, yeah, that, that's a tool that's been yeah, very helpful, um, and it, it also. And it's very easy to expand uh, the number of customers uh, because you know not everyone actually has the same platform. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, Chris, um, another question that we got for you was, what are a specific challenges of connecting mobile apps as opposed to web apps? Yeah. So we actually. Um, just introduced recently, uh, when I say just, it's, it, that's all relative, but uh, relatively recently this year, uh, we introduced um, some sales tools products uh, that actually use the Eloqua APIs. They're built on top of our APIs. Uh, and we introduced those for mobile devices. So there's, there's you know, uh, one for your iOS and, and Android devices. Uh, and there's a couple different tools. And one of the things that um, it might be obvious uh, that, that we got out of it was initially was the the UI is drastically different. So not necessarily related to APIs directly, uh, but the, the UI uh, definitely needs a lot of thought and plan because it's a much smaller screen. Um, you don't have a mouse. Uh, you have a keyboard, but it's a, but it's a lot different type of keyboard uh, than you would you know have on a computer. And you're using your finger right to navigate. So there's there's different paradigms in the UI that really needed. A lot of thought, um, and once we went at first pass at it, the product gets out, you use it a little bit, you realize, you know what, this this could be a lot better. Uh, so there's iterations that do that. Um, the other thing with mobile apps is is you're typically on a connection. Um, if you're, if, I should say, if you're not on Wi-Fi, obviously you're on a connection that is much slower than Wi-Fi typically, and uh, and so we needed to create a lot of more efficiency and have lighter calls, right, to retrieve the data from the database and display it on the device. Uh, that goes not just for the API calls uh, that we are making into Eloqua to retrieve data, uh, but it also has to do with the full stack of rendering as well, right? You want this app to be as responsive and quick as possible, potentially over a restricted um, connection. Uh, and so there's a lot of efficiencies, um, a lot of focus on, on making sure payloads were as small and as light as possible, uh, and the rendering times and, and so forth were analyzed and, and made it as efficient as possible as well. Great. And Steve, um, as a product manager, how do you prioritize bug fixes versus new product features? 
Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I guess for, for, for us in Influitive, and I, I believe in this as well, um, I don't like to evaluate product features and bugs in the same pool. Uh, so, you know, bugs, it, you know, just have a slightly different evaluation. Uh, you know, if a customer actually, uh, you know, comes across a bug, it's really hard to say that what's going to have a higher priority or another. Like, it, you know, a customer you know, wanted to drive a particular value and they're able, they're not able to do it because it's a certain obstacle. Um, so, you know, bugs in, in, in general just have a priority on its own. And those just need to get fixed. Uh, there is an element of bugs where it's like, okay, it's not, it, it doesn't have as much application to a lot of different customers. It's only dealt, it only happened with this one customer and there's many other types of workarounds. Um, so there, there are various reasons to de-escalate a particular bug. Um, but, you know, in general, I am the philosophy that you, know, you have a bug, you need to get fixed. Um, and don't evaluate it similarly to other features. And in some ways, you may, it may take out of your product feature ability um, because you have a lot of bugs in place that you actually need to resolve. Uh, but that's the way I feel it should be um, because, uh, you know, you, 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 you may be piling on more debt by just adding new features and not, not fixing the underlying issues. Uh, so for me, it's important to kind of keep that separate. Um, and then, you know, product features, uh, you know, that has a lot of different lenses, like what are the different themes uh, that you would like to address as an organization, problems that you would like to, to solve, you know, new verticals, new markets that you would like to tackle, uh, and, you know, uh, and nailing down what are the, the best tactics uh, for the overall measurements uh, for, for, uh, uh, that, you, that you're looking to achieve based on those features. Uh, so having good goals and metrics that you're looking to drive forward and then figuring the tactics, whether it be integrations or you know, new features within a product to, to drive that goal. Great. All right. Well, with just a couple minutes left, I'll invite any of our um, audience to submit their final questions. Um, otherwise, we'll kind of move on to our last question. So, Chris, why don't we start with you? What advice can you offer to other product managers and um, some technical executives who are looking to further their API strategy? Um, you know, I would say uh, if you're if you're building an API or if you have an existing API that's that's not thriving, um, is to uh, to really take it seriously, right? If you want to be serious about having an API um, and having adoption and having uh, folks use it and, and automate tasks and get a lot of value out of the product, really take it seriously. Put the right resources on it. Put the right effort behind it. Um, and make sure it's part of the base platform, right? That's how it needs to be. What we found is it really needs to be ingrained into the thinking of, of the uh, entire development organization for a given product. Um, without that, and we've, we've found this in the past as well, is that in essence the API struggles quite a bit. Um, you know, the, the question about the bugs and versus features prioritization. Um, you want to reduce those bugs as much as possible. And uh, when they're there, you can't really make progress and the clients can't use the product very well. Okay. And Steve, any advice to offer in furthering others' API strategy? Uh, yeah, it has a very similar sentiments, and I kind of alluded to that before. Um, in that, yeah, like it, it needs to be, you know, formality from day one. Um, so when, you know, as a product manager, when you're, you know, talking about new product features, 
you know, you want to talk about the platform in terms of, you know, and, and that infrastructure, you know, how the API is going to work and how it works with external systems. And those are important uh, things to discuss like right from the beginning uh, because, you know, w without it, um, there's just a lot of pain when you naturally do get those requests uh, for uh, uh, being able to get access to your platform and uh, you know, not having that and, and doing that effort just becomes a lot more of a gargantuan task. Um, so being able to put your best foot forward, um, having an API strategy very formalized from the beginning, um, when we're tackling new areas, new verticals, new features, uh, 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 you know, through you know proper design and documentation, uh, you know those, those are, are very important from for an implementation of the minimal viable product. Um, Great. All right. Well, um, you know, we didn't receive any last minute questions, so I think with that we'll go ahead and wrap up. Um, thank you to both Chris and Steve for joining us today. I know you guys have um, both very busy schedules and we truly appreciate you joining to share your insights. Uh, we will be posting the recording uh, to the landing page for the event here shortly and then there will also be some additional resources there and we'll email that to you afterwards. And with that, thank you guys for joining. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye.